Our scripture this morning is John 8, verses 12 through 30. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I came from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you neither know me nor my father. If you knew me, you would also know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself, since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, You are from below, and I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declared to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man... Then you will know that I am he, and that I did nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. This is the word of the Lord to us this morning. Good morning. You guys doing well? Outstanding. Good to have you with us. Welcome to the Desert Breeze Community Church. I also want to welcome those of you that are on YouTube Live right now. Thank you for joining us. I want to start before we head into our study. A couple of things I want to uh, tell you. Uh, let me share with you a verse, 2 Chronicles 16:9. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for those whose hearts are fully devoted to him so that he can show his power in their behalf. I'm seeing that happen right here at Desert Breeze in 2021. It's absolutely amazing, God's work. And it's because your hearts are fully devoted to him, he is showing his power in our behalf right here. Thank you guys so much for your consistent uh, giving and giving of your time, your talent, your finances, and all that's going on here. God's doing an amazing work. Also, I wanted to share this with you, is that I'm gonna have some of the young guys coming in here and teaching, and uh, we wanna train them, we wanna develop them, and so I, I would encourage you to show them the same love and uh, respect and support that you show me, and I know you will. Let's take a look at this study here. Believe is our current teaching series, The Gospel According to John. Walk in the Light is the title of this weekend's message. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter eight. We're looking at verses 12 through 30. That was the text that was just read. Back in the nightclub days, how many remember the nightclub days? We got still a few around here from the nightclub days. Back in the nightclub days, we had a long hallway that led up to the back of the stage. The band was finishing up their last song and I was running late to get up on the stage. 
And so when I entered the hallway, it was pitch dark, and the light switch was at the other end of the hallway. It was kind of crazy. And, and so I had a choice there. Uh, what am I going to do? But I decided to run in the dark hallway so that I would make sure I was up on stage at the right time. I decided to, to run in the dark hallway not realizing someone had placed a chair in the middle of that hallway. And we're still trying to figure out who did that. <laughs> They're excommunicated. And let me just say that I was in a lot of pain and really rattled when I finally got on stage. And I was, I was running in, a, in the dark when I should have found a smarter path and walked in the light. <laughs> That's what we're going to talk about. I, I look around, I see a lot of people running in dark, dark hallways. And they're doing some major damage to themselves and to others. And yet, we have the offer through Jesus Christ to walk in the light. Take a look at your sermon notes there. Darkness speaks of ignorance, sin, and death. Light speaks of knowledge, holiness, and life. Take a look at this verse, Proverbs 4, 18 through 19. It's a fascinating verse. But the path of the righteous, that would be us, those of us that have put our faith in Jesus Christ. Path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. Light of dawn. Anybody up early enough to see the light of dawn as it's coming up over? Oh, yeah, cool. This is, this is certainly the early morning service, okay? If I did this in the next service, they'd like, no. We haven't seen dawn in a long time. The light of dawn. So the light of dawn just barely coming up, and which shines brighter and brighter until full day. There's still some darkness as the, as the sun is coming up. But as believers in Christ, this is what should be happening in our life, is that little by little, our lives are becoming brighter and brighter as we walk with Christ. But notice the contrast here. Verse 19, the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. That's our culture. We're a mess. And everybody thinks they have an answer, and all they're doing is stumbling in the dark. They don't even know what they're stumbling over. They don't even know what the answer is. And we know what the answer is. It's, it's walking in the light. It's following Jesus. And, and so that's, it's fascinating. So let me bring you up to speed, give you a little background of this text. This is the Feast of Booths. We've been talking about this for the last uh, number of weeks. Feast of Booths, or Feast of Tents, they're camping out. And all of the, the uh, Jews are camping out to celebrate, to commemorate the wandering of their people in the wilderness for 40 years as God provided for them, protected them, and led them into the promised land. And so there were a number of things that they would do to commemorate this event. Uh, among many things that they would do ceremonially was that they would, and at this point, light candelabras in the temple in memory of God leading his people through the wilderness with a pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day. And so this is where you see Jesus in the midst of this temple where you got these candelabras lit, this light that represents God leading his people. He's saying, that's talking about me. I am the light of the world. And you can see that in verse 12. So we're going to talk about characteristics of walking in the light. What does that look like to walk in the light? And so look at verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Here's the first thing on your notes. So what does that mean to walk in the light? It's following Jesus. That's what he says right there in verse 12. 
Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And if you're following Jesus, you will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So what is this following Jesus? Immediately my mind went to, oh yeah, that's becoming more and more like Jesus. Yeah, we're gonna become more and more like him. Well, there's something that precedes that. We all wanna become more and more like him. That's, that's the fullness of life that he offers us. That's a great life. But there's something that precedes that. Before you become like him, you've gotta be with him. So when he invited his disciples, he invited his disciples, he called his disciples first and foremost to be with him. And it's being with him, we become like him. Don't reverse the order. Don't try to focus on on being like him without being with him. Oftentimes we do that. The, The preoccupation of our life is not being like him, it's being with him. And the more you are with him, the more you will become naturally like him. Listen to these verses. Best commentary for scripture is always scripture. So 1 John 1, 6 through 7, listen to what he says. If we say we have fellowship with him, being with him, intimacy with, with Christ, while we walk in darkness, what is walking in darkness? It means we're not becoming more and more like him. So if we say we are with him and yet we're not becoming more and more like him, we lie and do not practice the truth. Whoa, yeah. In fact, he goes on, he says, but if we walk in the light, so being with him is is walking in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. In in other words, that's cultivating intimacy with him and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Why would he add that? The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Because here's the deal, that walking in the light, as we get closer to him and as we are with him, guess what's going to happen? The light will expose the darkness in our life. It'll expose our sin, and then in that, as he exposes that sin, then he brings cleansing for that sin. I can tell when people are walking in the light, they're walking close to Christ, they're they're with Christ, because they're more in touch with how God is transforming their life, the specific areas of their life. They're, They're receptive to what God is saying to them in those areas that are transforming them. And and so. So as he exposes, so as you get to know him, as you walk with him, as you follow him, he's gonna expose your sin. That's, that's a good thing. In fact, it's interesting when you study this in 1 John 1, 6 through 7, it goes on in verse eight and it says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And now this is in the context of walking in the light. So as we're, we're with him, walking with him, he's gonna expose darkness in our life. Now he does this not to condemn us. When you feel condemned, that's demonic. That's not coming from him. He convicts us. And conviction is not to shame us, but to, but to set us free, to satisfy our hearts. It's not to shame us, but to set us free and satisfy our hearts. He's wooing us. So as we walk with him, yeah, it begins to transform us. And, and he begins to deal with the sin that's in our lives. By the way, I was just thinking about this. If you're truly with him, walking with him, and as he exposes the, the, exposes the sin in our lives, I'm glad he doesn't do it all at once. How many would agree with that? Okay, I've been on this journey a long time, and he's still you know, revealing things to me. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And we'll never be completely finished until we get, go to be with him. Becoming like Christ is not perfection, it's progress, okay? So don't get down on yourself. 
Just keep walking with him and let him continue to transform your life. But if you'll do this right, if you do this right, you'll be so busy with your own sin that you won't have time to point out everyone else's sin. Do you hear that? Yeah. See, and I think oftentimes when people are judgmental and critical, it's just deflection off of themselves. There's a lot of judgmental and critical people out there and even in the church. And I just think, man, get busy looking at your own sin, man. You got enough to deal with. I got enough to deal with. Let's just, let's just walk with him and let him continue to transform our lives. And so following Christ, that's what happens. And so, so here's what you should be looking for. And one of the things that we have here at Desert Breeze, what, it, what does it mean to become a fully devoted follower of Christ? We have a 5G process. In our class, DB Life, formerly known as Game of Life, uh, where we help you through this process of the five Gs. Genuine, growing, giving, going, all for God's glory. You're someone who walks with God, lives his word, contributes to his work, makes an impact in this world, all for God's glory. That's just the small version of that, and that's what we're talking about. So, so you'll begin to see that happen. As you, as you are with Jesus, you'll become more and more of a fully devoted follower of Jesus, and I think also what's gonna happen, this is what you're gonna look for as you're with Jesus, your reaction and recovery time will begin to shrink. You guys know what I'm talking about? When a, when a, when a dumb driver pulls out in front of you, your, your reaction and recovery time begins to get smaller, you know, shrinks, and, and before long you're able to catch yourself before you, you react. Same thing with your relationship, maybe in a marriage relationship. How's your reaction recovery time? I mean, initially for Nancy and I, it was, it was about a week or so, okay? We have a conflict, take about a week or so. I was sleeping on the couch, and, uh, and so I was kind of working through it. She was working through it, and uh, we were trying to get through that, but now it's just almost instantaneous. And so your reaction recovery time. How about this? How about the gospel gap? It should be shrinking in your life. You guys know what the gospel gap is? It's our spirituality and our reality. It's what we say we believe and how we behave. I mean, I was thinking about this. If I, if I claim to be loved, accepted, forgiven, and free, and yet I'm filled with fear, insecurity, bitterness, and heavily burdened, that sounds a little inconsistent, doesn't it? There's a gospel gap. And so what we see as we are with him, that gospel gap begins to shrink. Our spirituality gets more in touch with our reality. And, and, of course, I'm going to start producing more of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, regardless of the circumstances. And I'm going to begin to increase in my capacity to love God and love others. I mean, you're just going to have a ferocious love for God. The more you spend time with Him, oh, my goodness, you're going to have a ferocious love for Him. And you're going to have this overwhelming love for others, too. So I can always tell if I'm not really with Jesus is because my love for Him begins to shrink a bit, and then I don't, I'm not very loving to be around. But that's what you're looking for in all of that. That's, that's walking in the light. It, it is following Jesus. Let's continue on. Keep reading here. Verse 13, so the Pharisees said to him, now, now just, this is so crazy. These Pharisees, they crack me up, okay? Here, they're, they're standing before the Messiah, the king of the galaxies, the, the God, and they don't get it. And they're very religious. Just keep in mind, religion is darkness. Religion is darkness, and you're going to see that in, in these guys. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. Why is that? Because he's God, okay? So if God says it, you know, that's, that's it. For I know where I came from, 
and where I am going. This is an important statement right here. But you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. Here's the next uh, couple fill in the blanks there. So walking in the light is not only following Jesus, but it is knowing who Jesus is and what he came to do. See, that's what he's saying there. Religion is darkness. Religion, it comes to either discredit, destroy Jesus, the light of the world. Discredit or destroy Jesus. Okay, look at all the major religions in our world today. Mormonism, Jehovah Witnesses, Christian Science, Islam, what do they do? They either discredit or destroy Jesus in their definition of who Jesus is. The only folks on this planet that have an accurate understanding of who Jesus is are, are, should be Christians. And that's what he's saying. You guys don't even know who I am, where I came from, where I'm going. You don't even know any of that. See, uh, what's interesting about this is that religion is about what you must do to be right with God. If anybody ever asks you, well, isn't Christianity just like all the other religions? No. No, it isn't. Religions, all the religions are about what you must do to be right with God. Christianity is about what has been done to make us right with him. And so we're able to rest in that. It's absolutely amazing. It's breathtaking. It's beautiful. There's nothing like it. And uh, we are not saved by our works, but by Christ's works. So if you're not saved by works, you can't be lost by works. You're either saved or lost by either accepting or rejecting Christ. Quit getting down on yourself. Just keep being with Jesus. He will transform your life. It's not based on your works. It's based on his works. And believe me, the more you understand his works and what he's done for you and what you have in him, the more it will transform your life. That's why it tells us in Hebrews 12 too, fix your eyes on Jesus. It doesn't say, fix your eyes on what you must do. Don't fix your eyes on, on what you must do. Fix your eyes on what has been done for you. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. You hear what he's saying there? So fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. You wanna grow in your faith? Get your eyes on him. Cultivate intimacy with him. Follow him. Get to know him. And man, I'm telling you, your faith will soar. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy what was, what was his joy? That he would reconcile us to the Father, that we would be part of his family. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. You know what that means, to scorn the shame of the cross? No big deal. I wanted to do that for them. It was a big deal. It was a really, really big deal. But for him, I'm gonna do that because I want you to be reconciled to the Father. I love you. I'm gonna pursue you. I want the very best for you. That's what we focus on. So remember our, our study last week? We talked about the woman caught in adultery. <clears throat> Jesus said, who is without sin? Whoever is without sin, throw the first stone. He was leveling the playing field. She's telling the woman she's not alone. They all walked out one by one, starting with the oldest. And then he went over her. It was just her and the woman. And he said, neither where are your accusers? I have none. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So what was he saying in that? He's giving the verdict before the performance. In Christianity, the verdict always comes before the performance. Here's the verdict. Before you do a thing, I love you, I adore you, I gave my life for you. You are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. Whoa! 
It's not based on what you do or what has been done to you. It's based on what he has done. That's your identity. There's not a better identity in the world. That's an unshakable identity no matter what you're going through. So don't focus on what you should do. Don't focus on how bad you're doing, you know, doing the Christian life. Focus on him. That will transform you. Verdict comes before the performance. That's important. Let's continue reading here. So verse 15, you judge according to the flesh. This is Jesus talking. I judge no one according to the flesh, that is. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. Here's the next point as it it relates to walking in the light. So walking in the light is following Jesus, is knowing who Jesus is and what he came to do, and then it is judging not according to appearance, but according to truth. So when you're walking in the light, you're going to judge not according to appearance, but according to the truth. Now, he's already talked about this in John chapter 7. We've studied this. John chapter 7, verse 24, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. We know that uh, in 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says that people, we tend to judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So our tendency is to judge people, churches, and circumstances based, based on appearance. I have an interesting story here by C.S. Lewis. In his autobiography, Surprised by Joy, he has a chapter that he talks about the great knock. And when he was a young boy, he went to a boarding school, and his favorite teacher who dominated the rest of his life was, na- uh, was a man named Knock, Nick, uh, was Kirk, nicknamed the great knock. And he tells the story of how he met the great knock. The great knock came to pick him up at the train station and take him back to school. And uh, Lewis, trying to make conversation on the ride from the train station, said to the great knock, I'm surprised at the scenery. It's, it's much wilder than expected. And Kirk, or the great knock, said, stop. What do you mean by wilder? And what grounds do you have for saying that? And here's what... Uh, C.S. Lewis says, he says, the great knock was an incredibly logical man. All propositions must be solidly based, but also an atheist. He turned C.S. Lewis into a very logical thinker and also an atheist. When Lewis became a Christian, he was one of the most logical and best debaters of all times. God used the atheist, the great knock, to turn C.S. Lewis into the greatest evangelist and apologist of the 20th century through his logic. If you ever read any of C.S. Lewis's books, it's very logical, really good. And, and, and what the great knock was actually just teaching him, though an atheist, which I believe that God has a sense of humor, obstacles become opportunities for, uh, for our good and his glory. So God will use whatever tools to develop us and he used an atheist to develop C.S. Lewis. But what, the, what this, the great knock was actually teaching C.S. Lewis, which we all need to learn, is that we are not to judge according to appearance, but according to truth. So oftentimes I'll ask someone when they make a, uh, when they make a statement, is like, is that a dogmatic assertion or is that a defensible argument? Where's, what's the argument? What's the basis? I wish more people would do that in our culture. You need to do that as it relates to a lot of the fake news that's out there, a lot of the craziness that's all around us. And we live in a culture today where we judge by appearance and, and not according to truth. 
not according to truth. That's where prejudice and favoritism and racism comes from. By the way, favoritism, prejudice, racism is demonic and it's darkness. It's demonic and it's darkness. Prejudice, favoritism, racism is an opinion without the facts. And not only that, this is how we should, when we relate to one another, this is how it should go. We are not to judge someone by where they are, but by where they have started and how far they have come. They may have made more progress than than us, though they are not at the same place as you because they had a longer journey. We have no idea what people are up against. And so we're so quick to judge people based on, ah, what's wrong with you? Come on, we don't know the baggage, we don't know the hurts, we don't know what they're still working on. We gotta be slower about all of that and and be a source of of help. We we also uh, tend to judge churches based on on form rather than function, on style rather than substance. It shouldn't amaze me, but when I ask people why they go to a particular church, it's so superficial in what they say. Things like, wow, you should see the building. Oh, my goodness. It's like, you go there because of the building? Uh, that's odd. And then, or, uh, or, wow, it's like a rock concert. Woohoo! Really? Or, the pastor's so funny. Well, that kind of marks me off the list, doesn't it? I mean, funny? You go there because of that? No, no, it should be based on more substance. What's their, what's their structure? What's their government? What's their strategy? What's their statement of faith? Is it a place where you can worship and connect with God? Is it a place of instruction where you're growing in your relationship with God? Is it a place of fellowship where you're connecting with others that are helping you to follow God? Is it a place of evangelism where people can bring their friends and families where they can hear the gospel being proclaimed week in and week out? I mean, I think we confuse entertainment with encounter with God. I hope that you're here, and I think you are for the most part, to encounter Christ. That's why I'm here. Oh my goodness, I can't think of a better thing to do on a weekend service than to hang out with my friends and to encounter our Savior and our Lord and our King together as we grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Savior. Oh my goodness, there's nothing better. Praise God. Praise God. And so... That's what I hope you're here for. And we also, we also tend to judge our circumstances. Remember the disciples here a few weeks back when we were talking about when they were in that storm? What was the first thing that they said when, when the waves were coming into the boat? Jesus, don't you care? And that's the first thing that happens with us oftentimes. We go through really, really bad times and we go, I thought you loved me. I do. So we tend to judge our circumstances. Here's what I've got on my notes. We don't judge God's love by our circumstances, but we judge our circumstances by God's love. Why? Because we walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, Romans 8 says, nothing can separate us from his love. Do you hear me? Nothing, nothing. No bad circumstances can ever separate you from his love. He's always working. He's always working in your life, regardless of the way it looks. And so here's here's what you need to keep in mind. Your rest is not found in trying to understand it all, but knowing the one who does and is working all things for your good and his glory. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. He's our hope, regardless of what's going down around you. By the way, let me just say, this place is gonna get crazier, not this place. I'm I'm talking about this place. America, 
We're headed into some darker and darker times as people continue to stumble and not know what's going on. But praise God, we have the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Yeah. And so we need to lift up our head because our redemption is drawing near and near and near all the time. And so this is, hey, by the way, this is working according to Bible prophecy, all the stuff that's going down currently. So just always keep that in mind, and it's going to get really, really dark, dark, dark. It's going to get bright, bright, bright for us. And we are to be a light in this dark world. And, and that's important for us to keep in mind. And so here's the next one, verses 19 and 20. Let's read the next section. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. By the way, it was in the treasury where they had these candelabras where he just stated, I am the light of the world. And so here's the next one. Walking in the light is to know the Father by knowing Jesus. So if you want to know the Father, you've got to get to know Jesus. But if you've got a distorted view of Jesus, you're not going to get to know the Father. This is what it tells us in Hebrews 1.3. He is the radiance, that is Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. John 14.6, Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He didn't say a way. He says the way, the only way. I know the world doesn't want to hear that. But I'm, I'm not the one that's saying it. It's Jesus that said that. God. God in flesh came to this earth. said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the way to God. I'm the truth about God. I'm the very life of God. And you can't come to the Father unless you come through me. And so if you want to get to know the Father, get to know Jesus. You can read the Bible and not know God. You can pray every day and not know God. You can attend church faithfully and not know God. You can even be a very moral person and not know God. That's where the Pharisees are. They're clueless. If they had studied the Scripture in the Old Testament, they would have said, this is the Messiah. Now, eventually, some of them do obviously convert to, to Christ and follow him because, because the, the light lights come on and they realize, oh my goodness, this is what the Old Testament has been talking about all along. And so there's, there's certainly, certainly plenty of information and Jesus is standing right there before for them. But John 17, three, and it says this, and this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I love that word, know. The word is, the, the Greek word is ginosko. It's more than knowing about God. It's an experience of God on your heart. So it's, not, it's more than just cramming your cranium full of information about God. It's a hard experience based on the objective truth of, of God's word. And see, the gospel is not only intellectually sound. You need to have good sound theology to have an accurate understanding of God. But it's got to go beyond just being intellectually sound. It's experientially satisfying. So when we talk about nothing will separate you from God's love... That do you have that experience of his love even when you're going through hard times? You should. Or you just have a head knowledge of that. Yeah, nothing will separate me from his love. But do you have an experience of his love in your heart? Or the, or the statement over and over again when it says, I will never leave you or forsake you. 
Do you have a sense of his presence in your life when you're going through hard times? Or even through the good times, his presence is better than even the good times we go through. Do you have that sense? You have the head knowledge, but is it heart felt, experienced? That's what that word know means. And that's what, that's what they want. That's what we want. So it is, it's to know the Father by knowing the Son. Let's continue reading. Verse 21. So he said to them, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. And he said to them, you are from below. I am from above. Use that on your in-laws right there. You're from below, and I'm from above. Don't use that, okay? Only Jesus can use that. That's probably not nice to say, but I've, been, I've wanted to say that a few times. You know what? You're from below, man. Now, at first, when I first read that, I go, yeah, down low, like hell. But he actually, he's not talking about that. Look at the next statement. He actually explains what that is. He says, you are of this world. Oh, from below. Yeah, that's right here. I am not of this world. Yeah, I'm from heaven. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So here's the next one. Walking in the light is not being conformed to this world, as, as the, even the Pharisees, in their religion, they were conformed to this world. They were conformed to a religious system. It is not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by, the, by God's word. So Romans 12.2. How many know uh, Romans 12.2? You memorized it. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? Renewing. Renewing of your mind. Mind and heart are synonymous in the scripture. So the heart change, the change in our life is not a morally restrained will. It's a supernaturally transformed heart. It's, it's a heart, a heart change. And, uh, and so sin is what we do when we're not satisfied with God. You guys, you guys know that, don't you? When we take a path that's outside of God's directives and his word, it's because we're not being satisfied with God. Now, he can satisfy us, but we're being deceived at that time. And so holiness is being so happy in Christ, sin loses its appeal. So think about that. The reason why we're attracted to those things in the world is because we're not finding our satisfaction in Christ, although he offers it to us. And once you begin to taste what he offers, then sin loses its appeal. You go, ah, that's cheap, shoddy, ridiculous. Why would I chase that stuff? Look at all the world, man, I feel bad for them. Why are they chasing all this stuff? When I have you, when I have what I have in you. That would be, that's, so what's happening there is you're being more and more conformed by God's word as opposed to this world. You're being transformed by God's word. The key to change is not the acts of the will, but the loves of the heart. Listen to Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man. When, when you see that in Scripture, it just means total fulfillment and complete well-being. Blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful. So that's, that's being conformed more and more into this world. But he goes on, here's the contrast, but his delight is in God's word and he meditates on it day and night. So when you look at that verse, there's almost this progression in sin. This is what happens when people become more and more conformed to this world. Walk in the counsel of the ungodly. It starts with believing. Where do you get your counsel? Who are you going to for help? You go into God's word? 
and then stand in the way of sinners. So it goes from believing to behaving. I start hanging out with, with people that are kind of building, that are speaking into my life that are ungodly. So believing, behaving, and then sit in the seat of the scornful. Do we live in a pretty scornful world? Absolutely. And you become just like him. You belong. Believing, behaving, belonging, but his delight is in God's word. Listen to this. And he meditates on it day and night. What does that mean? You cultivate intimacy with him. You walk with Jesus throughout the day. I mean, you're just talking to him and interacting with him. You love him. You, you do carry on conversation with him, don't you? I'll be carrying on conversation with Jesus, and my wife will walk in the room and say, what did you say? I'll say, hey, you're interrupting my conversation with Jesus. That's rude. Sorry, Jesus. She didn't mean anything by that. I don't do that. That was a joke, actually. Okay. Not a good joke, but... But no, I'm, I just love talking to him. So if um, you see me out in the marketplace and I'm just talking away, it's not because I have a phone on, it's because I have the phone on with him. I'm talking to him, okay? <laughs> I love interacting with him. You, you do have Jesus with you. You have the Holy Spirit within you. You can talk to him 24-7. Pour your heart out to him. Get to know him. Walk with him. Love him. That's meditating on his on his word day and night. Take verses with you and just walk through it in your mind and pray them back to him. There's nothing better. In the verse 25 through 27, so they said to him, who are you? Jesus, so this is, this is the Pharisees. It's like, clueless, hello. Who are you? I'm God. That's who I am. I mean, he keeps telling them over and over again. They just don't get it. Who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. Here's the next one. If you're going to walk in the light, you need to understand this. Humility will ask honest questions, but pride refuses to hear the answers. These guys are in the category of pride rather than humility. They're not asking honest questions. They're trying to trap him. It's almost, you know, the gospel is very clear and simple message available really to all as it's saying here. The Pharisees have this attitude. Don't confuse me with the facts. I've already made up my mind. Jesus is a wicked man, and we're going to take him down. He just said, I've been telling you this. You have the answers, but they refuse to hear the answers. Now, here's the DNA of Satan. DNA of Satan. You can read this in Isaiah 14. Remember when Satan fell? He's a fallen angel. Took a third of the host of angels with him. Here's the DNA, uh, DNA of, of Satan. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. That's the DNA of Satan. Here's the DNA of Jesus. Not my will, but your will be done. I want to honor you. I want to glorify you. Do you see that attitude with the Pharisees? No. Nobody's going to tell us what to do. We're right. That's all there is to it. They're unteachable. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 12.1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Anybody love discipline? Yeah. Praise God, you love knowledge. Not very many of us is like, no, I don't. Oh. Yeah. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Ooh, that's not nice. He just called us stupid. If you don't love discipline, well, you're stupid. 
Wow. That's wisdom literature. Check this one out. Proverbs 29.1. He who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. Did you hear that? Here's what he's saying. If you keep ignoring the voice of God, eventually your heart will become so hard that you won't be able to ever hear him again. You'll be broken half. See, if you come to church week in and week out, you study God's word daily, you interact with God in prayer, and he tells you and he, he convicts you, and yet you don't respond, over time, your heart will become hard, and then you're not going to be able to hear his voice. The, my favorite part of walking with him is hearing his voice, knowing he's speaking to me, and sometimes it's comforting. If, if you shut out all of his convicting messages, you're not going to hear his comforting messages when you're going through a hard time. Because you've shut him out. You've resisted his work in your life. So, so you want a teachable heart. So are you teachable? Are you teachable? Look at th- your responses to three things here. Here we go. How do you respond to criticism? Are you neither indifferent nor devastated? So you don't want to get to the place where I don't have to listen to them and what do they know and they don't know that much and that's kind of indifference. It's like, ah. Or you're devastated. (gasps) You should be neither of those. You shouldn't be indifferent or devastated. There's kind of an in-between. It's like, ah, there's probably some value information. I don't like their attitude, but whatever. It was criticism and maybe I need to take a serious look at myself. Maybe God's using them to speak to my heart. Okay, my identity's in him anyway. So regardless of what they might say, I'm secure in who I am in Christ. How are you responding to criticism? How about this? How do you respond to advice? Are you neither inflexible nor too flexible? You don't want to be inflexible. You know, when someone gives you advice, it's like, I'm not going to listen to them. They don't know what they're talking about. Well, that sounds like pretty being inflexible. How about being overly flexible? You just listen to everybody. Oh, okay. Thank you. It's like you run from one person to the next, kind of like, that's crazy. You don't want to do that either. So there's a balance in that. Yeah, there's some people you should say, oh, hey, thanks for the advice, and then walk away and don't listen to it. I mean, don't, don't pay any attention to it. I mean, there's some people, you, it's, it's, that's fine. But it's how you respond to that. How about this? How do you receive thanks when someone thanks you? If you can't stand it, can't bear it, get embarrassed by it, it's because... You want it too badly. It's probably an attitude of, uh, it's probably an inferiority complex issue. It's still pride. You're preoccupied with yourself. If you have to have it and you will quit if people aren't nice to you or don't notice you, then that's more of a superiority complex. So what you should do, I, I, I was talking to a guy up here before the service and on the worship team, and I told him, I said, man, I, I appreciate you sharing your gifts. And he was like, yeah, thank you very much. Praise God that God can, God can use me. I'm, I don't always perform at the level that I would like to, but you know what? It's crazy how God will even use me, and it's absolutely amazing. What did he do? He received it, and he gave glory to God through it. it, was, it was, that's, how, that's how we respond. There's a great deal of humility in that. Look at verses 28 to 30. This is the last of the section that we're studying here this morning, almost finished. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, what is he talking about here? Anybody? Help me out. The cross. How many are thinking cross? You're right. 
then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority but speak just as the Father taught me and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Here's your next uh, couple fill in the blanks. So this is walking in the light. This is how you know you're walking in the light, is seeing the cross of Christ as the greatest revelation of the glory of God and the source of our, our greatest satisfaction in him. John 12, 16 and 23, it refers to Jesus' death on the cross as his glorification. So on the cross, the Son of God was glorified, the justice of God was satisfied, the love of God was magnified, and those who believe in Christ are justified. So, so real important part here, right here, as we kind of wrap up this, this message. God's glory and our joy are one and the same pursuit. You were created to live for God's glory. The word glory means weight, significance, importance, that you would show that he's, he's more weightier, more significant, more important than anything else in life. And that's where you're gonna find your greatest satisfaction because that's how you were wired up. You were wired up to, to live for his glory and that's where you're gonna be most satisfied, living for his glory daily, every day. God's glory shines the brightest in our lives when we are most satisfied in him. And so when you put your faith in Christ, What is true of Christ is true of you. Look at verses 28 and 29. He says, we can speak from the authority of God, being taught by God, that's verse 28, living in the presence of God, always doing what pleases God. Always doing what pleases God. That's living for his glory. Next weekend, John 8, 31 through 38, we're gonna talk about the truth, how the truth sets us free. My wife and I will be up at the front at the end of the service along with any available elders. If you are new here this morning, we would love the opportunity to meet you. If you need prayer, we would love to pray with you. If you have any questions about this message, I'd love to try to answer those questions for you. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's just take a moment here before the throne of grace. And what is God speaking to you this morning? He's speaking. Are you hearing? Are you listening? So if you look over that list, there's seven items on that list of what it means to walk in the light. Which ones are are strengths for you? And maybe which ones are growth areas? That's one of the questions in our growing notes. What are some of the next steps you can begin to take so that you can walk more and more in the light? Maybe you're here this morning, you've never made a confession of faith in Jesus. I would encourage you to do that this morning. Acknowledge your sin that separates you from him. Believe that Christ died on the cross for your sins and give your life to him. Live your life for him. So Father God, your son, our savior, Jesus Jesus is the light, is the light of the world and we commit our lives to follow him and to not walk in darkness but have the light of life. Thank you for the promise that the path of the righteous, those who have put their faith in Christ are like the light of dawn which shines brighter and brighter until full day. Let that be true of each one of us. And as we fellowship with Jesus daily, may we become more and more like him, letting our light shine before men so that they can see our good deeds and glorify you, our Father who is in heaven. We pray these things in Jesus' beautiful name. And everyone said...
Amen. Love you guys. God bless you.